This podcast is being brought to you in part by the veteran-founded Hero Soap Company, located in Phoenix, Arizona. In today's environment, we must be aware of the products we apply to our skin. As a two-time cancer survivor, I cannot afford to take chances, and I use these products myself. The soaps will leave you feeling clean and refreshed. All the products made by the Hero Soap Company are made in the United States with the highest quality ingredients sourced from companies in the United States whenever possible. The products are made in small batches to ensure high quality and contain premium essential oils and fragrance. All Hero Soaps are created without synthetic colorants, parabens, and sulfates that are irritating to the eyes, skin, mouth, and lungs, and are cruelty-free, meaning these products are not tested on animals. Each 5-ounce bar of soap is handmade in Phoenix, Arizona, and the body wash is available in 8 ounces with such refreshing scents as the woods, tea tree, lavender, the fields, bourbon, lime, the pines, and arctic. You will absolutely love this soap. Please also check out their gear for sale. All the products are reasonably priced. Being veteran-founded, the company understands the dedication and sacrifice that each family makes to serve their country. A portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and our first responders. Over 1,200 bars have been sent to our deployed troops. Please check out their website, HeroSoapCompany.com, for pricing and a detailed description of all the products. When ordering, use the code RAP for a 10% discount. The company information will be listed in the podcast notes and featured on the podcast website, Facebook group, page, and the podcast Instagram. Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with wrap. I'm your host, Ron Rappaport. Before we start, I would like to thank all of our listeners, supporters, and sponsors that have helped to make this podcast so successful. The podcast is being heard in all 50 states, all provinces of Canada, and over 60 countries around the world. The podcast has been ranked by Feedspot as one of the top 35 overcoming adversity podcasts on the web from thousands in that category, and is ranked by traffic, social media followers, and content freshness. Please visit the podcast website, it's a rapwithrap.com, for all the episodes and other information regarding the podcast, and to order logo merchandise, of which a portion of sales is donated to various charities, and to sign up for our newsletter. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Tyler Rakowski. Tyler grew up homeless and abused by his father for the first 10 years of his life. Instead of the comfortable beds most kids are accustomed to, he slept on cold benches and in hotel rooms. His father was verbally and physically abusive toward him. Tyler was constantly made to feel like a lesser person. This led the way to quite a few mental health disorders that stem from that kind of trauma. But this remarkable young man has overcome so much to write his story and to be here with us today. 
Tyler is a multi-genre author, podcaster, mental health and travel blogger, and award-winning marketing and communications professional from the southern coast of North Carolina. He currently travels the United States with his wife, Grace, and dogs, Dutch and Bella, blogging his journey at Adventures with Coffee. His first novel, Not Alone, was based on true events surrounding the struggles of mental illness. The Seeds of Love, Sunflower Kisses Book One, was his debut romance novel centered around a mentally ill young man. His first poetry collection, Coffee, Alcohol, and Heartbreak, was composed of mental health-based poems written over four years. He is the co-host on the Cook the Books podcast and is also the publisher of Tea with Coffee Media, a small independent publishing company specializing in telling untold stories. Welcome, Tyler, to the podcast. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. I'm very glad to be here and uh, definitely going to be checking out your website and getting some merch a little bit later on, that's for sure. Awesome, awesome. Uh, This month we're giving... uh, Half the sales to malebreastcancerhappens.org. It's an advocacy group for male breast cancer, and uh, we'll be doing other charities along the way. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your years growing up and the family dynamic that was in play. Yeah, growing up, I was um, the child of divorced parents at the age of by the age of five, whenever or the age of four. And whenever they got divorced, it really rocked my whole world. I felt like a lot of it was my fault. I blamed myself. My mom, the agreement that my mom and my dad had was that I was with my mom half the time, one day, uh, Monday, Wednesday, every other weekend. I was with my dad Tuesday, Thursday, and then the subsequent weekends. So it was like being thrown about and tossed around like a rag doll. One day you're somewhere where it's so peaceful with your mom and your grandparents and you feel so happy and so comfortable. And then you're thrown into the next day into a place that's very uncomfortable that you know that you're going to be miserable in. And, you know, right now I'm going through therapy and one of the things that they're looking at diagnosing me with on top of my bipolar disorder is uh, borderline personality disorder. Uh, and a lot of that comes from the childhood trauma of being shifted back and forth like that and having to adapt to your different environments and become a new person. So it was very, very hard. And, you know, growing up, my dad didn't have a home for, you know, the first few years of my life. So it was more so we were sleeping in hotels and at his work uh, on benches outside of his or inside of his work and sometimes in his truck or at his sister's house. And, you know, it was very, very hard to go that route as a child and to be okay with that. But I kept the the hurt to myself. And, you know, I, I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my grandparents. I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I just, they asked me where we went and I'd always tell them my aunt's house, even if that wasn't true, because I knew that that would not make them worry. Me, even as a child, didn't want to make my mom and my grandma worry because I loved them and my grandpa, because I loved them so much. And that was the, they they have been the biggest influences in my life. And so it, it was a weird dynamic going from being lifted up and 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 um and developed as a small child to the next day you were put down and made to feel lesser because they didn't want you to grow grow up to be a quote unquote punk you know whatever that means in his mind 
that was what his reasoning was for treating us the way he did. Was it just was this a court ordered visitation thing or something they just figured out on their own? Yeah, it was it was more of a um, agreement that my mom and dad came to on their own. They wanted to avoid going into the court system and bringing us into that. Um, you know, I, my mom never even got child support from my dad. So, you know, it, it, she wanted to do it on her own. She wanted to prove to everybody that she could. And I think, you know, she she did an amazing job. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's like I tell people, I, I may have had a really messed up childhood and I may have, you know, had some things that held me down. But I, I've won over, you know, five awards over the past five years for different marketing communications work for the work that I've done in my community. And that to me and my brother actually won. Uh, we both won Brunswick County Future 10 um and so i told my mom i'm like who else in brunswick county or who else in the world can say that they've raised two of brunswick county's future 10 leaders and here here she is raising both of her children to be a future 10 leader i mean all by herself pretty much until she met my stepdad um which was i think 2004 so that would have been about 10 years after um they had uh the, after i was born so he was he came into our life at a young age and um, really helped develop us and grow us into good young men. But my grandpa really helped raise me more so um, as a man. And he taught me a lot of the things about how to be a really good person. He just recently passed away um, a couple of months ago. And, you know, that that was really tough on me because he was like my best friend. But yeah. I, I know he's with me every day. So I, I just want to get it straight for me and the audience. When your dad had you, this is your natural dad, of course. Yes. Your 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 natural dad. Did he have any of the other children at the same time, or did he just have you every other day? So it was just me for a while. So I have, let's see, I've got two brothers and three sisters. Only one of my brothers is from the same mom and same dad. The rest of my brother, my other brother and my other sisters all have different moms, but the same dad. For me, it was a lot of going there by myself in the beginning because my brother was so young. He was a baby and, you know, yeah. my dad took me instead of him. And so a lot of it was just me for the beginning. And then, so I was, it was kind of lonely without my brother. And then by the time my brother got old enough to where he was able to come, you know, he was bringing my brother with us and me and my brother got really, really close. You know, we fought, of course, as we grew up like brothers do, but now I couldn't live without him. Was your dad mean to your brother as well? No, he had his moments, but not nearly as many as he did with me. Um, my brother was a really good baseball player growing up, um, an all-star every year he played. He would have gone college if he wouldn't have got hurt. He tore his labrum from overuse pretty much, but he was kind of treated like the star of the family and I was treated like the black sheep and, you know, it's not his fault. I, I don't hold any ill will towards him because – he sure. just did what he he needed to do best. I mean, I supported him. I was probably a bigger fan than anybody. Me and him would go out and I'd be the one working with him and practice with him all the time. And yeah. So why do you think your dad wanted you every other day? You know, obviously it was not ideal conditions. You know, you're in a hotel, you're sleeping in a car, you know, this and that. 
What do you think motivated him to 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 want to do that every other day? You know, and here's the thing. I, I think my dad really does love me in his own way. Yeah. And I think that was his way of wanting to be with me and take care of me. But it was just he I don't think he was ready for a child yet. I think he was too young because he's to my younger my younger brother and sisters. He's yeah. been a great dad. You know, he he's not the same man today that he was those years ago. He has completely changed him and I um, had a better relationship. And, you know, that's but he was a lot of people are too young to have kids whenever they have kids and they don't know how to handle it. And I think that was part of his problem was I think he was 20 years old whenever I was born. So and he was a rebellious teenager. He went out and partied and he also, you know, worked until four or five o'clock in the morning. And sometimes he would bring me and my brother with him to work because he was he um, worked for his dad running a tire shop. So they would have to run and do service calls overnight for 18 wheelers and big trucks like that that ran all night. Uh, so he would have us out, you know, until three or four o'clock in the morning on a school night and we wouldn't even make it to school the next morning. But I think, like I said, in his mind, I really think he did love us, but he just didn't know how to to really raise a child. I don't yeah. think he he knew. And I yeah. think that was his biggest flaw was he just did not know how to raise a kid yet. So, Tyler, uh, what was your coping mechanism at such a young age? How did you cope with that? A lot of writing. I, I loved writing. Um, my grandma was a high school English teacher. Later, she was my elementary school principal. So I spent a lot of time in the school system, spent a lot of time with her. And she taught me a lot about how to write. And she encouraged the creativity. And that's where I really started putting my story out there and you know, using that as a way to escape reality and to get away from, you know, what it was that was going on as me and my brother got older. And as we were going to our dad's house, we, you know, I used to play, uh, you know, we make believe yeah. we used to go outside with sticks and sword fight with, you know, and pretend they were lightsabers or magic wands or something like that and i used to go back in after we got done playing and i'd go back into my room to avoid contact with everybody else in the house and start writing my story and you know based off of what me and my brother were doing and that was a way that uh, as i got older i was able to escape into my own little space so that i wasn't for front and for for center for anything so that they weren't taking they didn't have the chance to put me down or they didn't have the chance to make me feel lesser because I was working on my own project and building my own world where I was escaping to. Yeah. And build up your confidence as well. I would imagine. Yes. What mental health issues uh, did those harsh conditions growing up lead to? So me personally, I have um, bipolar disorder. That one is probably more genetic. Um, you know, that, probably comes from my dad's side of the family i also suffer from anxiety and depression a lot of the anxiety and depression does come from the childhood trauma uh as i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast i uh was have been looking at looked at for borderline personality disorder and also diagnosed with uh post-traumatic stress disorder so 
it can lead to a slew of different mental health issues. And for me personally, I, you know, I keep getting hit and I keep getting knocked down, but I get back up because at the end of the day, you know, these illnesses, they're just that they're an illness. They're no different than somebody who has diabetes or has blood pressure problems, who has to be on medicine. That's, you know, there's no shame in having to be on medicine for mental illness, just like there's no shame in having to be on medicine for any other illness. Right. And that's, that's really what I try to get across with my work. Excellent. Excellent advocacy. Now, you basically raised your siblings and you missed out on a lot of the fun things uh, childhood normally brings. Can you tell us about that time raising your siblings and how did it impact your education? I understand teachers, I don't know if it was one teacher or a few, told you because of your bipolar uh, would, you would not amount to much. How did you react to that? And what can you tell those out there hearing this kind of garbage uh, spoken to them? What can you tell them about it? Yeah. So, you know, raising my siblings, it it was hard because I did miss out on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I raised them for the first couple of years of their life from probably about the time I was 13 until I was 16. And at that point, I had had enough and left my dad's house um, completely. So I, you know, lost kind of touch with my siblings for a little while. But now I love them to death. You know, I'm going to visit my sister in college in a couple of months. And uh, my one sister and I are really close. And my other sister and I, we every time we see each other, we joke, we play around. So it's we've got a really good relationship now. But it was strained for a little while because there was a lot of poison being fed into their heads by their their mother about me and and they were having this skewed view. But, you know, now they're we're all in a better place now. But yeah. as far as, sorry, what was the second part? Of well, your the teachers. The, oh, the teachers. The, yes. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was a very tough time. Whenever um, I had one teacher tell me she came up to the table and she said, class, this is what failure will look like. And she looked at me and she said, your bipolar will never let you amount to anything. Wow. I said, okay. So I use that as my motivation. My motivation to be stronger, to be better, you know, because because somebody said I couldn't do it, I'm going to go out and prove that I can do it. If somebody tells me I, I, I can't do something, I'm more inclined to do it because, you know, I think we all are. Tell me I can't do it and don't give me a reason. I'm going to go out and show you that I can do it and show right. you the reason why right. I can. So that's that's my biggest advice is use it as motivation. Take it as a point in your life where you can turn around and say, you know what, you said I couldn't do this, and here I am standing on the top of the mountain, full of success, no th thanks to you, but all because of me. You know, take pride in that. Take pride in somebody paying attention to you and trying to put you down, because that means they're afraid. They're afraid of the success that you could do. You turned that pain into purpose. Yes. It sure did. So being bipolar, can you address those out there on how to stay on course with their medication as that seems to be a big issue? I don't know if it was an issue with you or not, but what can you tell the people out there about that? Let me take a very brief moment out to alert all our patients and caregivers out there that rare patient voice 
a supporter of the podcast, is paying for your input. Patients 16 years and older and caregivers, family, and friends of any disability, disorder, syndrome, illness, or condition have the opportunity to express their opinions through surveys and interviews to improve medical products and services. Who knows your journey better than you? Rare Patient Voice puts you in touch with researchers who are developing products and services that can help you and others with your condition. These researchers need input of patients to develop products and services that have significant impact on patients' lives. Over the past nine years, Rare Patient Voice has paid patients over $10 million. When you join Rare Patient Voice, you may be invited to participate in interviews, surveys, or online communities where you will share your insights. Rare Patient Voice usually has hundreds of studies running at any time, so there are many opportunities to participate. You will earn $120 per hour for participating in these studies. By making your voice heard, you are a catalyst for change. Rest assured your input will be used to help other patients like you. There is no cost at all to you, the participant. You can get more information and sign up by clicking the link in the sponsor's notes. Yeah, I'll admit, you know, I haven't always been the best for taking my medicine. Whenever I first got on medicine, it was very hard for me to stay on track on top of it. I lost track sometimes, forgot. Sometimes I would take my medicine two or three times a day. Sometimes I wouldn't take it at all. And I finally had to get into a routine where I got a uh, pill dispenser that had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I knew what day of the week it was. I could take my medicine on that day. And eventually I kind of got into a habit, got a little too comfortable and fell out of the habit because you get to a point where you're feeling so good on medicine that you're like, Oh, maybe I should stop taking medicine and see how I feel. You know, that's, I'm not advocating for that at all. That's not the way to do it, but sometimes that's how, how your brain goes. And after that, I had to get back on track. So I added reminders to my phone. So I have an alarm that goes off at 12, 15 PM every day. I've got another reminder that goes off at 3 PM every day and another one that goes off at seven o'clock every day. So that way I get three reminders to take my medicine. So that way, if I miss one, one of them undoubtedly reminds me. Right. So, you know, you've got to be creative with the ways that you come up with, you know, reminding yourself, even if it is setting multiple alarms and getting a, or finding a buddy to remind you a medicine buddy finding somebody else who takes medicine on the same schedule that you do so they can text you or message you or you know call you hey i'm getting ready to take my medicine don't forget to take your medicine i mean that's a great thing to have because it's also a support system where you feel like you're not alone in in taking medicine you know that you're not alone in this journey of mental illness because somebody else is there and you can do the same for them it's just a working relationship whenever you get ready to take yours you call them whenever they get ready to take theirs they call you yeah that's an excellent idea Uh, i know on the iphones you can uh set up medication reminders Mm -hmm. So when did you when did you eventually leave the family to go out on your own and and how did your past impact who you are now? Like what were the positives and the negatives? Well, I left um, my mom's house whenever I was 18. Um, I think I harbored a lot of ill will towards my entire family for what happened to me as I was growing up. Yeah. You know, and that wasn't fair to my mom or my brother or my grandparents 
but I, it happened and I moved out and I wanted to go out and I was always a good kid growing up. I never drank or smoked or did drugs or anything like that in high school. And then once I got out of high school and went into college and moved out on my own, I started drinking and started, you know, smoking weed and doing pills and things like that. And, you know, really turned my life upside down. I went from being this good straight path kid who was on a good path to college to a burnout who was doing nothing but drinking and smoking and taking pills. And it haunted me because I didn't have that support system anymore because I didn't have my mom to rely on. I didn't have my brother to rely on, even though on the day on the bad days, I didn't have feel like I had any hope. There was still hope the next day that it was going to be okay. But whenever I was out there on my own, I felt I felt alone and um, started just turning into bad ways. And finally, um, I, I met this guy, Matt. He's my best friend now, like my brother. Uh, I call him my brother. And uh, he, I called him one night and I said, Matt, I'm going to kill myself tonight. Tonight's the night. And he said, whoa, whoa, what? And I hung up and he called me back three or four times. And I sat there and I had a knife in my hand and I just stared at it. I had, I had a bottle of pills and then I got a phone call from a number that I didn't know. And something told me to answer the phone. It was his dad, Mr. Tommy. He was a very, he was like my dad too, for, you know, the first couple of years that I knew him. And he, uh, he said, don't you do it. I need you here. And then he told me, he's, I'll, he told me something I'll never forget. He said, is the wrench broke? Cause he was a mechanic. And I said, no, sir. And uh, he said, well, if the wrench, if the wrench ain't broke, you better keep on turning it. And I said, well, you know what? You're right. My wrench ain't broke. I'm going to keep on turning it. And that was a really big turning point in my life because that's whenever I started going back and spending more time with my family. And I started going to my mom's house once, you know, once or twice a week at least and going to see her and my grandparents. And, you know, so my past really did sneak up to haunt me because I had felt so confined and like I couldn't do anything and like I was so in such a dark place that I had turned to something that I didn't need to turn to. And, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having a few drinks or, you know, if you're in a state where it's legal, you know, having a, a few puffs or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, you can't overdo it because that's whenever you run into problems and issues and, I ran into a lot of problems with myself and, you know, a lot of overdoing alcohol and drugs, you become a darker person. Your, your mindset gets darker and you feel more alone. Your emotions are intensified by the drugs and the alcohol. So if you feel alone already and you're turning to alcohol to, to feel alone because you feel alone, you're going to feel even more alone. And that's what I was doing to myself. Yeah, well, thank God uh, you picked up the phone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that was divine intervention. Yeah, I, I, I really tell people do. all the time, you know, I, I don't know what anybody believes in or what I believe in sometimes, but I do know that there's something up there and it, it looks out for us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How did your siblings fare? Uh, were there differences between them, how they fared? As I mean, they... You said they fared a little better than you, but 
they they pretty yeah. much come out okay. Yeah, they've all they've all lived really good lives. Um, you know, they've experienced a few things here and there, but you know, nothing major. My um, sister, who's going into college this year, she's going on a co- uh, softball scholarship. She was like the number four softball player in North Carolina last year for her junior year. So she is just she's an amazing softball player. She works out religiously. She's a great person. You know, I think she has um, her and I have gotten really close, uh, especially as she goes into college. I've been trying to help her out with some things and giving her some tips because I've got three degrees myself. So I um, am I'm able to give her some study tips and things of that sort. So being able to um, see her grow up and be so successful is a good feeling. My next sister, she um, she's still in high school, but she's. She has uh, a really good business sense. She is really smart. She helps uh, my dad with his company and my grandpa with his company. And um, so she's she's really she's looking forward to the future. And then uh, my youngest brother, he is a um, he's a pretty good baseball player. He's young. He's just going into high school. So he's uh, doing pretty good. And then my other brother, who is um, closer to my age, he uh, he's living a great life. And, you know, he he still he knows some of the things that have happened to me. And he he has a good relationship with my dad. And I think most of my siblings do have a good relationship with my dad. And, you know, that's that's not anything that I fault them for, because it wasn't them that he hurt and he did raise them and did treat them well. So, you know, I can't blame them for for having a relationship with him. But, you know, just right now, that's not in the cards for me and him. Maybe one day it will be again. But yeah. So I was going to say, what is your attitude now towards your parents? You said your mother, no problem. Uh, You said your dad is getting a little better. Um, yeah, you know, me and my dad, we, we don't nearly argue nearly as much. Um, whenever we do talk, we don't, you know, obviously I'm at the point where I'm, you know, almost 30 years old, so I can walk away from the conversation and not be grounded or spanked or (laughs) feared any kind of retribution. So, you know, I think that makes it a little bit easier on that front, but, um, you know, we still, we have our differences. We don't always see eye to eye, but I mean, who does, you know, who sees eye to eye with their parents on everything? I don't think anybody does. So, but it's, it's still a strained relationship. I think he uh, is not very happy about me being open about my past and about the things that have happened, but I feel like I need to do this for the people that went through something similar Right. or are going through something similar. I need them to see that there is hope at the end that number one, you can be successful, but number two, your parents can change and they can become better people. So you can still have them in your life because I'm not out here to say that my dad's still a, a terrible person because he's not, he's a better person, but what happened in the past can't be changed. And that's something that I'm going to speak out on to raise awareness for, you know, not to trash my dad or any of my family. But like I said, because people need to hear the truth and people need to know that there's hope. Right. And that's what this podcast is all about. Putting people like, like that have gone through 
you know, circumstances, not exactly yours, but but your circumstance today, we're, we're, we're grateful that you're on the program to help people out there that are listening to this. Tyler, how do we get people to start listening to, quote, you are not your past and move forward in a positive fashion? So, yeah, that that is a very, very hard thing to do. But one of my biggest things for me that has helped me overcome that has been therapy, to be honest. Um, I'm a big advocate for therapy. I started therapy um, just a couple months ago after my grandpa passed away. Uh, I started off doing grief counseling and have moved into more things um, related to childhood trauma and things of that sort. But therapy has been such a huge thing for me because it really does help you to learn these coping skills that you may not know because not everybody has all the answers, but a lot of people have different pieces of the answer and you can take those pieces to build your own answer. And I think that's, that's one thing that people have to realize that there is no one fits all solution that you've got to listen to what other people are saying, because what I say may work for one person, but may not work for another person. And, you know, same thing with a therapist, you've got to find the right therapist because a therapist really does make a difference. Some therapists specialize in certain things. So being sure that you're finding somebody or something that is able to get you through those moments and that you can connect with, that's whenever you use that past for your motivation. You can start learning those coping techniques. For me personally, it was about two years ago, my um, my brother-in-law passed away in a uh, car accident and from that moment, it kind of changed my life because he lived his life so free and fun and full that I was like, you know what, that's that's what I need to do. I need to use what's going on in my past to drive me to be fun and free and be fueled for a passion for helping other people and doing more. So, you know, I was able to break those confines and try to honor him and live a life that he would have been proud of in in his honor. Yeah. What what inspired you Tyler to become uh, an author and a poet? Uh again my grandma, she she has been my uh my biggest inspiration in life. I tell you she she always encouraged my writing um and I was actually whenever I published my first book I was living with my grandma um my wife and I moved in with her for about 4 months while we were waiting for our house to be built um back in 2018 and we stayed with her for a couple months and I had she just kept asking me she's like have you been doing any writing have you been doing any writing and at that time I hadn't wrote anything and probably four or five years since college just because college kind of burned me out of writing having to write all the research papers and things like that yeah so i finally decided one day i was on the way home and i had this kind of this flash in front of my eyes and it was the title for not alone and i was like i'm gonna write this story so i started developing the story in my head and you know eventually put pen to paper and at first, I was like, I'm just going to write it and let my grandma and my wife read it and, you know, maybe my mom and my brother and my stepdad because they were all parts and, you know, they were all inspirations for the book. So they started telling me, you need to publish this. And I was like, no, I, I don't think I want to do that. But my grandma finally told me, she's like, this is a powerful story. 
you wrote this so well for your first book. So with her words, I went out and figured out how to publish it, published, self-published my first book, uh, not alone. And from there, I fell back in love with writing and it's been nonstop since 2018. Yeah, great. Now, you are a mental health advocate and incorporate that into your writings. Tell us a little bit about that first book, Not Alone. Yeah, so Not Alone is actually based on true events from my life. Um, it is, I actually, it started off as a novella. I rewrote it recently and am re releasing the second edition of Not Alone as a full novel. Uh, in October of 2023, so that will be coming out, and um, it's going to have quite a few changes, but it uh, it's based on a true a lot of true stories from my life, true events that happened, things that caused me to question my life and to change the way I was living because of my mental illness, and to help and moments in my life that I realized that people did love me and they did care about. So I use a lot of those real life inspirations to tell the story of this young man, Henry Havishki, who is just diagnosed bipolar borderline personality disorder and anxiety. And he's navigating life for the first, through the first five years of that diagnosis, meeting new people, having people come in and out of his life, making him feel like he's alone, not alone. But ultimately, at the end of every chapter, he finds these people who were there for him and who have always been there for him. He just, you know, didn't always see. And it, by the end of the book, it gets to a point where you, he confronts his demons. And he faces those fears and is able to back them down with the love and the support of his family and his dog, Dutch. Okay. Sounds sounds like a great book. Uh, you are also a poet and you and you wrote Coffee, Alcohol, and Heartbreak. Tell us about that. And I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. Would you could you please grace us with a sample reading? Okay. Um, yes. So Coffee, Alcohol, and Heartbreak was actually a um, poetry collection that I wrote between 2012 and 2016, whenever after I had graduated high school through the time um, that I... The podcast is so happy and proud to have Blue Sky CBD as one of our sponsors and supporters. At Blue Sky CBD, they know that the highest quality CBD starts from the seed. Blue Sky partners with sustainable, responsible farms for superior hemp plants to extract their CBD and other healthful phytonutrients. Each of Blue Sky's products contain high concentrations of CBD for maximum impact, and Blue Sky offers some of the lowest cost per milligram CBD on the market. All Blue Sky's products are THC-free and are tested by a third-party laboratory for potency and purity. All this has made Blue Sky one of the only brands trusted by healthcare professionals across the United States. As the demand for CBD and its therapeutic potential have grown rapidly worldwide, it's difficult to know which products you can trust. At Blue Sky CBD, they don't just sell their products, they use their products. Blue Sky CBD proudly shares testimonials of their loved ones who use these products. Blue Sky CBD guarantees the potency and purity of each and every product they sell. Blue Sky tests their products three times. 
First, the plant is tested, next the isolate, and last, the final product to ensure each product batch meets Blue Sky's high standards. A copy of the Certificate of Analysis is linked below each product description online. The Blue Sky CBD website contains client testimonials, including a case study for each testimonial from people just like you regarding people dealing with severe anxiety and insomnia, high blood pressure, pain management, headache, rheumatoid arthritis and spondylitis, and endocrine balance. Blue Sky even makes the product pet love for our canine and feline family members. There is some confusion between medical marijuana, CBDs that contain THC, and the THC-free hemp CBDs within states. Blue Sky CBD uses CBD derived from hemp that is THC-free, which is drug-free and can be sold everywhere legally. Blue Sky CBD wants you to feel confident with your purchase and offers you excellent customer service. If you are not satisfied with their products, you may request a refund of the full purchase price within 30 days of the product received date. When ordering, please use the podcast link to receive 20% off your initial purchase. The link and website information will be listed in the podcast notes. I had graduated college, and they were some of my hardest times with mental health. I went through a lot of struggles having to overcome mental health and I had turned to writing. One of um, a guy that I used to work with, his name was Jake. He really was big into poetry and inspired me to get into poetry. I used to love writing poetry when I was younger, but kind of fell out of it because, you know, growing up and as a as a man and you've got toxic masculinity where they're making you feel like poetry is not a very manly thing and you shouldn't be writing poetry as a man and you're made to feel like that's not something that you should write but then i met jake and he really inspired me to write it again so it's let's see i'm gonna find find my favorite one all right okay i inhale one last puff of smoke knowing i'm slowly killing myself Nothing but remorse for the words I've spoke. The only way out is my diminishing health. The cigarette burns away, much like my life has always been. The last ash hanging on by a fray, this life so full of my own sin. I just wait for the light to go out, the last ember to lose its glow. There's nothing left to fight about, life's river has begun to slow. The last ash drops slowly, drifting towards the ground in slow motion, Reminding me of my life and the point where I get lonely, the lifelessness caused by this emotion. As it hits the ground, it smolders into oblivion, draining away all the energy it had left, bidding the world a sad end while its lungs become compressed. I draw in a final breath, but I smile at the finality of it, for I have nothing left and death is my perfect fit. Wow, some heavy poem. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of depression, um, a lot of suicidal thoughts went into a lot of that poetry. But there's also a lot of uh, not a lot, but there are a few happy poems in there. You know, that's that's where the coffee comes into play. You know, you've got the alcohol and the heartbreak, which are the downers, and you've got the coffee, which is the upper. Yeah. So I, I made sure to include a few of those. A lot of those uh, actually came about in 2015, 2016 when I met my wife. So that was a big part of the reason for the change and and theme was was my wife now tyler tell us about your publishing company tea with coffee media and how it differs from other publishing companies 
So we are a small independent publishing company. We cover, we have um, several authors right now signed. I think we're at 20 right now. Um, we've released 11 books uh, with a book planned for every month going through 2024. What we do differently is we take care of our authors um, like they're our family. We we have a community of partners, of podcasters, bloggers, YouTubers, uh, social media influencers, and all, all other content creators that will interview or review our books and um, review our authors, bring them in on their podcast, or let them do a guest blog. So we have lots of ways to raise up our authors um, with our community, but we also offer author trainings to our authors. So we do monthly trainings where we sit down and go over a different facet of book marketing, marketing yourself, how to brand yourself, things like that, and give them, you know, ways that they can help develop it and build their sales even more on top of what we're doing. We also offer self-care Saturdays. So we do a self-care program where we all get together and we play a game or watch a movie or just chat and hang out. But it's just a moment where we can all have downtime and just let our brains relax. So we really do try to treat our our authors like family. Same with our staff. And But as far as our authors, and one thing that we really do differently is our royalty uh, schedule. We actually pay out a 65% royalty to our authors, which is about double the industry standard. Mm -hmm. um, because for me, I got into this business to help authors, not to take advantage of authors. Um, and eventually, we're going to expand our, our um programs and publishing platform and marketing services and editing services to things like podcasts and blogs and YouTube channels and other content creators. That is a 10 to 15 year goal for our company is to get to a point where we're helping more than just writers. We're helping all kinds of creatives in various ways, but this isn't my way of making a living or making a killing, I should say, and trying to get rich quick. I actually just started a new company, uh, the Witkowski Company, which is a marketing, digital marketing and uh, public relations firm for online startups and nonprofits. So that is kind of my main focus right now going into it. And, you know, with Tea with Coffee Media, though, it really is all about the authors. We want to put the power in the author's hands. All of our founders were authors or are authors. I just had another book, uh, Enamored Echoes, book one, Potent, which is a retelling of A Midsummer Night's Dream by uh, Shakespeare. And that book just came out on July 11th. So I'm still writing books. I wrote that with our vice president of marketing, Kelsey Ann Lovelady. Our vice president of operations, Caitlin Kalor, has had three books come out through us. Victoria Moxley, who is our editor-in-chief, she has had uh, – she's got two books planned for 2024. So we're all writers, and we all write along with our authors. So we know – we get the struggles. We know the struggles that came with self-marketing and self-publishing, and we want to alleviate that and help people with the cost of publishing. We cover 100% of the cost of publishing, everything from marketing to we do free uh, videos for our 
our authors, we do all the editing, the cover design, the formatting, the promotion, everything is covered by us. But we also offer those services to other authors who are looking for to do the self-publishing route, but want a good editor or want a good cover designed. We offer our services to them as a way to help the writing community as well. Well, any uh, authors out there listening, you can get in touch with Tyler. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll have your, your we'll have your contact information later. You celebrate your wins in life uh, by traveling in your RV across America to cope with your mental health. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, we uh, we made the decision beginning of 2023 to sell our house and uh, move into an RV. We bought an RV in 2022 and uh love traveling we've been traveling uh my wife and i've been together for eight years we visited eight different states in that time we've gone to a different state a year so we've always loved traveling and so whenever we got the rv we started talking and we just decided that we weren't happy being put anymore we were felt shackled down the place where we're from was very closed-minded we wanted to see the world um, we wanted to see new places and new adventures and s- embrace new cultures and diversity. So my wife and I decided that we were going to sell our house and move into the RV. Yeah. Uh, we put the house on the market, and within a week, we had an offer and sold the house a month later. So we, um, from the time we decided to sell the house to the time we moved into the RV was about three months. That was fast. That was fast. Um, yeah, it was very fast. Yeah. Um, and now it, it's probably been one of the best decisions of our lives. Me and my wife are a lot closer than we've ever been. We've uh, that was one reason that we wanted to get on this adventure was to get closer to one another. We, you know, we do adventure with coffee, our travel blog together, and she'll do coffee reviews and food reviews with me, and I'll do beer reviews and um, campground reviews and. It's brought us so much more closer and made us gave us a outlet to be able to spend time together and really enjoy ourselves because we had lost one another between the hustle and bustle of living life, you know, in monotony. So now we've broken that monotony and have been able to wake up, you know, couple months ago or a couple weeks ago we were in the mountains now we're at a lake a couple months ago we were at the beach so you know we're bouncing around from beach mountain forest lake we're just everywhere and you know just that diversity and waking up in a new place and having a change of scenery every single you know every couple of weeks is such a nice feeling and it's it's so quiet and peaceful and the people in the this travel community are just so nice and caring. I mean, everybody that you see at a campground waves at you, smiles at you. It reminds me of what my hometown used to be like before it started developing and growing. Well, uh, are you on the road right now as we're speaking? Yes. Where are yes. you? Where are you? We're uh, in a place called Lake Waccamaw. What state is that in? It's in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, it's it's about an hour and a half from the coast. So we're we're here for about through 2024. And then after 2024, we will be heading out west um, and going across the United States. Wow, that's awesome. What is your podcast? You have a podcast called Cook the Books. What's that about? 
So Cook the Books is a podcast that uh, my vice president of marketing, Kelsey Ann Lovelady, and I started. It is We basically del- dive into uh, – it's more expansive author training. We bring on guests and talk about different things uh, such as – editing your manuscripts or world building as a writer, mental health as a writer. Um, we actually brought on the publisher, Gene Loud, from uh, Creative James Media onto our podcast. So we brought her onto our company podcast and had a joint company um, talking about why we started our publishing companies. You know, Gene talked about what was her inspiration. Me and Kelsey talked about what was our inspiration. And it was just such a cool feeling to have two publishing companies come together and just sit down at the same table and say, hey, you know, why did you start yours? Why did you start yours? And have a really true conversation. And that's one thing that we want to do is have open conversations, transparent conversations that help writers to develop their skills but also make them understand the backbone of the publishing industry so that they can go in with a better understanding of what they're getting into. Well, that sounds great. Uh, And I know we have a bunch of authors out there that listen to this podcast and belong to our Facebook group. So uh, hopefully they're listening to this. What is what's next for you? Do you have a new book coming out, a new project? What's going on? Yes. So, um, my next book is called The Principles Principles. It's coming out in on March 12th of 2024. It is actually a story inspired by my grandmother. It is about the first woman principal in a rural town in 1987. So it goes through her story of struggles with sexism and, you know, from both students and uh, teachers and assistant principals and administrators and school boards and just all the people that she had to interact with and overcome to prove that she was just as good as any man. So I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's based on my grandma. The events aren't, the events aren't true events, but my grandmother was the first female principal in a uh, rural town in the 1980s. And uh, she was she did overcome some adversity, but so I wanted to tell her story for her. She always said that she wanted to write a book one day about you know her time as a teacher, and I was like, I'll write it for you. How about that? So that's coming out. Um, and then at the end of 2024, September of 2024, I have Enamored Echoes Book Two, Time and Tide, which is a um, a book about Blackbeard uh, or Edward Teach and Anne Boney. So it is kind of a twisted history right type of retelling uh, where they actually meet and are married after after Blackbeard loses Mary and before Anne finds her husband. So you got a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah. Busy to those people out there listening and going through what you went through or someone knowing that person, what words or advice can you give them? Don't give up. And I think those are the three of the biggest words in, in humanity is don't give up because there is hope. Um, I know it's hard right now. My inner child is still hurting to this day. And like I said, I'm almost 30 years old. And just don't give up because somebody out there loves you. Somebody out there wants you to be here. And if you don't believe that, I love you, and I want you to be here. Just know that. I don't care if we don't know each other, if we've never met before. 
feel free to reach out to me if you ever get to a point where you're feeling like that because I will listen to you all day. I'd rather listen about your listen to your problems than hear about them on a note. And so please find somebody. Don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. Take it take up people up on their offers and don't give up. Excellent advice. Tyler, how can people contact you? I am on social media on every platform at uh, Tyler Witkowski, T-Y-L-E-R-W-I-T-T-K-O-F-S-K-Y. And I'm also online at TylerWitkowski.com. You can find us, uh, find Tea With Coffee Media at TeaWithCoffee.media. You can find my new marketing agency, The Witkowski Co. at Witkowski.co. Adventure with Coffee, uh, our travel blog. You can follow us at Adventure W Coffee, and I think that about covers it. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna put all that in the podcast notes okay. for everybody because <laughs> that's too much to remember. Yeah, I want I want to thank you so much, Tyler, for being on the podcast and sharing your story. I, I know you're making yourself vulnerable. We appreciate that, uh, and uh, sharing your story and all your work. So, I wish you good fortune going forward uh, in your work. Uh, helping people. Thank you, Ron. And comments and suggestions uh, for the podcast, you can email me at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. Our website is it's a wrap with rap.com. Our Facebook group, uh, everybody's welcome to join it. It's a private group, so you'll have to uh, friend me and get an invite. It's a wrap with rap. We're on Instagram, it's a wrap with rap podcast. We are on Twitter, and that's at rapper, W R A P P E R 130. We're on YouTube. Uh, we have our own YouTube channel. It's a wrap with Rap, the podcast uncut. All the podcasts are on YouTube. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap.